0: Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk radio show. Here is a quick announcement. Our August heart-centered and passion-driven Inspirations for Better Living digital magazine designed to help moms build a better future for themselves, their families, and loved ones is currently available at www.inspirationsforbetterliving.com. The magazine offers inspirational stories from our dedicated experts to help you navigate your current situation with confidence because you are the designer of your journey as the COO, if not the CEO of your family. So to preview our August edition, please go to www.inspirationsforbetterliving.com. As for our radio show Today, my guest for this morning is Amy Numa, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. By the way, listeners, Amy is our featured expert for the Nana's Wisdom section in our August Inspiration for Better Living digital magazine. Please go to www.inspirationsforbetterliving.com to read her inspiring and empowering stories. Amy and I will be having a conversation about the two latest releases celebrating the 21st Anniversary Edition of Chicken Soup for the Preteen Soul and the 25th Anniversary Edition of Chicken Soup for the Teenage Soul. Good morning, Amy. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing this morning?
1: I'm fine. And, And today is the day that these books go on sale. So it's a really exciting day for me. The fact that we are re-releasing revised, updated editions of these classic books, which are mm-hmm. among the best sellers that Chicken Soup for the Soul has ever made in its 28-year history.
0: <laughs> That's wonderful. I tell you what, one of the things that it's kind of the flip side of the equation, I'm just trying to be funny here, it kind of makes me realize how old I am, so... That's the bad part. Yeah,
1: that's true. But, you know, in some ways, aren't you glad that you're not worried anymore about a pimple that grew right on on the tip of your nose, you know? You have other things to think about now.
0: (laughs) So true, so true. The 21st anniversary edition of Chicken Soup for the Preteen Soul and the 25th anniversary edition of Chicken Soup for the Teenage Soul are really outstanding reads. So congratulations on its release. Can you share with us the history of these wonderful, empowering books?
1: Yeah, these were among the first books that Chicken Soup for the Soul made. So, you know, the the company started in 1993 with the original Chicken Soup for the Soul. Mm
2: -hmm. And that
1: was that collection of 101 anecdotal stories that these two motivational speakers, Jack Canfield and Mark Victor Hansen, used, you know, as they went around the country doing their speeches. And they realized that, hey, we could tell people, you know, a bullet list of self-help ideas or we could tell them stories and let them pull the self-help advice and tips and wisdom out of stories about things that happen to real people. And I think we all learn better from real stories that happen to real people versus some kind of dry list of things you (laughs) should do. Here's how you should think, right?
2: Right, And so
1: what happened was that first book came out in 1993, and then people started angling for books for their particular group. So one of the first Books that followed Chicken Soup for the Soul was uh, a book Chicken Soup for the Mother Soul, and there was Chicken Soup for the Mo- for the Woman Soul, and <laughs> people said we need this book for teenagers, and so mm-hmm. in 1997 uh, they published Chicken Soup for the Teenage Soul, and it was a huge hit because teenagers go through a lot during those adolescent years. You know, it's not easy mm-hmm. being a teenager. I mean, so much is changing. You're insecure. Um, it's tough to be a kid. You know, you're going through puberty. um, You're changing your group of friends. Your parents become annoying. Your siblings become annoying. Your self-confidence takes a beating. You know, you feel a lack of confidence about everything. You start having crushes on people. And it's just such a tough time, but also a super exciting time, right? Because you're making that move from
2: mm-hmm.
1: being you know, dependent on your parents to being somewhat independent. Of course, you want more independence than they're willing to give you, and they're right about mm-hmm. that. But there's just so much going on for teenagers. And so the other thing is teenagers often feel very alone, even though they're having the same emotions that teenagers have been having for the last 3,000 years. They still feel very alone in those feelings, and they, they don't always express how they're feeling to other people to find out, oh my gosh, my best friend has the same feelings I'm having, or that boy I have a Mm -hmm. crush on has the same feelings that I have. And so Chicken Soup for the Teenage Soul was a huge success when it came out in 1997. Kids were saying, you know, I feel less alone, I have more confidence, I'm reading this particular story over and over again because this kid is just like me. And so that was a big hit, and that book has sold millions of copies around the world, which is a very big number for a book. And then, three or four years later, uh, Chicken Soup for the Soul came out with Chicken Soup for the Preteen Soul because they realized you know, kids in the 9- to 12-year-old range also needed this kind of support because those mm-hmm. kids are in 5th grade, 6th grade, 7th grade. Well, those are really big years for change also. I mean, those are the years when... Boys start to shoot up in height, and their bodies change in ways that are very mysterious to them. Girls start to develop, and sometimes they're kind of embarrassed about their development. Everybody's having crushes on everybody else. You know, that's all starting. <laughs> and so they're experiencing a lot of the same things that they're going to continue experiencing during their teenage years And there's all that social anxiety, too, when you're in middle school, like, who am I going to sit with in the cafeteria, stuff like that. So that book came out, and that was a huge hit also. And these two books, Chicken Soup for the Teenage Soul and Chicken Soup for the Preteen Soul, continue to be among our best-selling books, even though they are so old compared to a lot of other books. But as I looked through these old books, I thought, we need to refresh them. We need to bring in new stories from today's generation because an entire generation has gone by since these books Mm -hmm. came out originally. So today's parents and grandparents are the ones – well, today's parents were the ones who were reading Chicken Soup for the Preteen Soul and Chicken Soup for the Teenage Soul because they were that age 20, 25 years ago. Yeah. And today's grandparents are the ones who were <laughs> buying those books for their children, right? So now they can buy them for their mm-hmm. grandchildren. But parents were coming to us and saying, I want my kid to have the same advice and comfort and that feeling of not being alone. I want them to have that same feeling. Um, and so we said, you know, these books sell well, but we can make them even better because they're they're not up to date. And so we took out a bunch of stories from both of these books that we thought were really out of date Mm -hmm. and we put in new stories so chicken soup for the preteen soul has a couple dozen new stories in it and chicken soup for the teenage soul has about three dozen new stories and the stories are about issues that are more pertinent to today's kids so we've Mm -hmm. got stories about home you know being doing virtual school during the pandemic and social media and technology, and all of the issues that are relevant today, combined with the issues that are always popular, like the pimple at the end of your nose the day before the big <laughs> dance, you know like those right, things have right. not changed since the you know since the Roman mm-hmm. Empire right mm-hmm. so um, I'm really excited about these new editions because they're a fabulous blend of the classic old stories that everybody loves. And then these new stories that clearly show these kids, hey, this is not your mom's chicken soup for the teenage <laughs> soul. This is a new version that is for you, today's teenager in the year 2021.
0: Right, right. That's true. I would think there's some challenges, though, in doing something like that, because the idea is great, obviously, because there's some, what I call in my situation, recipes for living life, right, that uh Timeless, basically. They get refined because of the different generations. Were there some challenges that y'all face in terms of going through with the process?
1: Um, it wasn't I mean it was a lot of work. It was definitely mm-hmm. a lot of work, but uh it was harder than I thought. I thought that oh, no. you know, as a publisher, you know, looking at mm-hmm. the at the business side of this and mm-hmm. looking at my editor-in-chief side of my life. (laughs) I thought it would be easy to just quickly go through the books and pull out a couple dozen stories and put in a couple dozen new stories. Mm -hmm. But it was a challenge because they really had to look at each story and evaluate it and decide, is this going to be relevant to today's preteens and today's teens? And we actually made sure we talked to the mothers of Mm -hmm. today's preteens and teens to see what they thought about some of the stories and whether they thought – they would resonate with kids of that age today,
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and
1: and we also were inundated with new submissions. So the new stories we put in are, are written by today's you know today's preteens and teens, and also college age and in and, twenty and somethings. Mm-hmm. We actually did not accept any stories, any new stories from people who were more than thirty five years old, because we wanted all of the Uh-oh. stories to come from people. <laughs> well, we wanted them to come from people who had been preteens and teenagers recently enough and had grown up right. with Facebook, et cetera. So right. it had to be like the Facebook generation and anybody over thirty five didn't have Facebook in high school. You know, but thirty five and under did have Facebook in high school. It had right. already started. Right. So it was a it was way more work than we thought. Um but <laughs> I think they came out so spectacularly and I guess even better than I imagined they would, that the Mm -hmm. refresh that we did is great. And then we, I mean, you and I were talking about the covers before we went on air.
2: Right. Mm -hmm. The
1: covers are so bright and colorful and just appealing that I hope they're just going to jump out at people in the stores. But (laughs) I think that, you know, any parent or grandparent that sees these in the stores and they're going to be, on sale at Walmart, Barnes & Noble, you know, all the normal places you would get books. Mm-hmm. Um, they just look so good that I think if you hand this book to your child, your child's going to jump right in because <laughs> the books are just happy and colorful. And I, I I don't know, we should probably make all our books look like this because they're so pretty <laughs> and appealing. Um, so that was that was a fun thing about it. Um, I know you, you had asked me about the designs for the books and, that's what happened. So, what happened with with Chicken Soup for the Teenage Soul? We made it very similar to the cover of the old edition,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, in terms of having some bright colors on the front and kind of a a cool design. And then Chicken Soup for the Preteen Soul, we completely remade the cover design because the old edition had been designed for you know the old Chicken Soup for the Soul, but it just didn't look at all right in terms of today's design. Now we're going Mm -hmm. to continue selling the old edition. So if people want the old editions of chicken soup for the teenage soul and chicken soup for the preteen soul, those are going to be available, Mm -hmm. Um, but they're not going to have the new stories in them. But there are some people who love some of the old stories and maybe want to make sure that they don't, the new editions where some of their favorites might not be there anymore. But I have to say Mm -hmm. that the ones I took out were really the ones that were so dated you know, but so we're gonna have two editions coexisting. <laughs> the chicken soup for the preteen soul, the old one and the new one, and the same thing with teenage soul. That's pretty so interesting. Though. Said, I, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's gonna be weird having two editions of the same books, but we'll see how that goes. I'll report to you later on how we did <laughs> with those. Hopefully we don't cannibalize one with the other. Hopefully we just sell even more copies and get these books into even more hands.
0: I don't think so. I think one of the uniqueness of this new issue, right, whether it's 21st or the 25th, the beauty of it is that the diversity of the contributors. How's that? I think that makes a big difference. You're talking about 20-year span here. That's a couple of generations.
1: You know, one thing that we did achieve was back when they made these books originally, there was hardly Mm -hmm. any Internet, and it was a lot harder for them to find the stories and they mostly reached out to people they knew
2: and mm-hmm. i don't think there
1: mm-hmm. was enough diversity in the original editions not because they didn't try but just because they right. didn't have access via the internet so i i think that these books now with the new stories we've put in we've got way more writers of color in these books as a percentage of the total stories
2: mm-hmm. and
1: we also just have more diversity in terms of where the people live. I mean, they were very heavily California-oriented in the first ones
2: because mm-hmm.
1: Jack Cadfield and Mark Victor Hansen were in Southern California, so they tended to get stories from people they knew who were in Southern California. And now we have access to the whole world. And so these books have become more global and more diverse um, in these remade editions because of the stories that we Added in, like I was looking at the stories that um, that I wanted to talk about today,
2: mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. you had
1: pointed out in Chicken Soup for the Teenage Soul, and I realized that I think all of the stories that we want to talk about from Teenage Soul today, every single one is by a writer of color,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: and and that's just because that's just because we got so many writers of color for the new story. So I love the diversity that we have, right, and. Yeah, I mean th- the thing is, what really matters is peer learning. Kids learning from other kids.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean
1: that's the most effective way for kids to get their advice because they could hear something from their parents, but they hear if they hear the exact same lesson from another kid,
2: mm-hmm. they're
1: gonna they're gonna digest the lesson a lot better if it came from another kid. You know, like, it's so funny how kids will hear it from their parents and totally ignore it, and then they hear it from a kid, and that becomes their new truth. And the parents standing there thinking, I know I just said that, but it doesn't matter. It's much better. So parents out there, if you want your kid to get the lessons that you've been trying to pass on to them, just give them the book. And they'll just learn the same lessons from Chicken Soup for the Preteen Soul or Teenage Soul, but you won't have said it. Anonymous person of their age will have said it, and and you'll still accomplish what you were trying to accomplish. You just won't get any credit for it.
0: There you go. That's true. Hey, I just tell them, like, trust me, y'all are never an expert in your own backyard.
1: <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> but, you know, Especially there's right great now. lessons. <laughs> There's right. <laughs> some great lessons in these books that are really timeless, like in Chicken Soup for the Preteen Soul, this yeah. new edition. We have this story um, that's really about tenacity and persistence. It's it's one of the first stories in the book. Um, it's on page five. It's called The Turnaround.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: this is about this boy, K-Wen Zhang, who um, – tried out for the basketball team in sixth grade and all his friends made the team and he didn't, he was totally in shock. He was humiliated and disappointed and oh my gosh, it just did such a number on his self-confidence. And then he realized he just had to practice and he could try out again the next year. And it wasn't Mm -hmm. the biggest disaster In the world. And so he started training for next year's basketball tryouts right away. Mm -hmm. And he was training a couple hours a day. He would bike to the gym and he would run and dribble and shoot until he collapsed on the gym floor. And what he thought is this. He thought hard work beats talent
0: when Mm -hmm. talent
1: doesn't work hard. So he thought, okay, I'm not as talented at basketball as my friend's but I am working harder than any of them. He did this for a whole year, very forward thinking, you know, of a Mm pre-teenager and he made the team the next year. And I thought, what a great lesson for all of us. I mean, I sometimes think that we should all be reading, you know, young adult fiction and nonfiction to get those life lessons that are inside (laughs) there because the lessons you learn when you're a pre-teenager or a teenager are the, Lessons that you need to keep referring back to as you go through your adult life.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Well, that's very, very true. Can you tell us what are the topics covered in both books? And that's that particular section, I love it. The preteen, you started off with achieving dreams. And that's fabulous because that's what we all need.
1: Yes, exactly. And the lessons about how to achieve dreams. So we've got 10 stories in there about the various methods that kids use to achieve their dreams. And really we can do those as adults too. Mm-hmm. And then the second chapter in the preteen soul book is called friendship. And again, lots of lessons in there about finding new friends, finding true friends. And we can all pay attention to that. Cause I know even as adults, we often say I need new friends. Mm-hmm. And then the third chapter is about family. And again, learning to accept family, looking past the obvious, you know, I don't know, flaws in family members and (laughs) seeing all the good that's in there. And then the fourth chapter in the preteen soul book is about love. And I don't mean just romantic love, just like love in general. The fifth chapter is about death and dying because this is when kids start to actually understand what it is. And so this is when kids are talking about, like, losing their grandmother or, even worse, losing a parent or a sibling. And then the sixth chapter is about attitude and perspective with some really good stories about epiphanies and tweaking of perspective that really set the kids on a new path in their lives. And, you know, like these overnight epiphanies that make you a lot more mature. Mm Mm-hmm. And then Chapter 7 is about overcoming obstacles, because preteens, there are obstacles. There are kids who have disabilities or have a learning disability, not a physical disability, or are different from other kids, but there are plenty of obstacles. And when you read these stories, these kids are such good role models for how we can all overcome obstacles. Mm -hmm. And then the eighth chapter in the Preteen Soul book is called Choices, and It's just about making the right decision, you know, and doing the right thing or pursuing a passion. But it's about making all of those proper choices that, again, set you on the right life path. And then Chapter 9 is called Tough Stuff. And it's about, you know, everything from losing a parent to having a bedwetting problem and being a 10-year-old who's embarrassed to go on a sleepover. And then Chapter 10 is about changes, you know, things like um learning how to ride a bike or having getting your first kiss or going through puberty and some of the embarrassing things that occur <laughs> and then chapter 11 in the preteen soul book is called eclectic wisdom and it's just a collection of really great advice from kids the the same advice that their parents are trying to give but it's better if it comes from another child. And then the Teenage Soul book is a little bit different. I mean, some of the chapters in Teenage Soul are the same, but it's on a slightly more mature level. So there's a chapter about relationships and that's friends, family, you know, boyfriends Mm -hmm. and girlfriends, all the different human relationships and learning how to navigate through the ups and downs of those. And then Chapter two is about friendship because that whole insecurity about friendship and finding true friends, you know, continues into high school.
2: Right. right.
1: Chapter three is about family, even more important really for the teenagers because that's when they start to find their parents so annoying. And (laughs) we, you know, always include some stories about finding the, you know, surprising benefits of your parents or your siblings and how they're not really so annoying. And then Chapter 4 is about love and kindness. And we get more into now random acts of kindness and being kind to strangers or reaching out in your community to be kind to an elderly lady who's your neighbor, stuff like that. Right. And chapter 5 is called Learning, and it's about all these life lessons. And these kids wrote these stories where they passed on those epiphany moments and those great life lessons that they learned, and they want to pass them on to the next generation. And then Chapter... Six is called Tough Stuff. So, again, like dealing with death, disability, losing a parent, um, just all kinds of really hard things that kids have been through. Mm-hmm. Chapter seven is called Making a Difference. And here we really started to get into volunteering and random acts of kindness and how, you know, it takes a village and you can be part of that village. And then, chapter eight, It's called Going For It, and we put this in the Teenage Soul book because this is the age when kids are looking forward. They're looking to their futures, and so we wanted a whole chapter about kids saying, I am going to go for it. I am going to pursue my passion in drama or a particular sport, or I'm going to get myself to college somehow, no matter the obstacles to get there. So we wanted that final chapter to kind of, Send these kids off into their adult life, you know, and so we wanted to be, mm-hmm. have all these models for kids going for it. So those are all the different chapters that we have in the book.
0: Fantastic! That's really wonderful. By the way, you're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on iHeart Radio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, Mixcloud, PodChaser, Listen Notes, and Hot Hopper. Here's a quick reminder to check the August edition of our heart-centered and passion-driven Inspirations for Better Living digital magazine at www.inspirationsforbetterliving.com. I'm Johnny Tant, your host, and my guest for this morning is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. She is also our featured expert for the non-ounce wisdom section in our August Inspirations for Better Living digital magazine. Please go to www.inspirationsforbetterliving.com to read her inspiring and empowering story. Amy and I are having a conversation about their two latest releases celebrating the 21st anniversary edition of Chicken Soup for the Preteen Soul and the 25th anniversary of Chicken Soup for the Teenage Soul. Well, Amy, do you have a suggestion on the best way to read the books?
1: You know, people ask that about all of our books because you have, Mm -hmm. you know, a 100 or so stories to read. Some people like to just open them them up and by chance see what they land on. Mm -hmm. And some people may have a particular problem, so they look for a chapter that would answer that problem. Like maybe you're a preteen girl, you're in seventh grade, and you need some help with finding new friends because you've realized that you were by accident in a mean girl group, you know, something like that. (laughs) (laughs) So you might just open up Pre-Teen Soul and go for the friendship chapter and get some advice. Yeah. So, you know, the the nice thing is that the stories are just nice little morsels. You know, they only take a few minutes to read, and then you can sit and think about them and absorb them and then read another Mm -hmm. story the next day. Yeah. So sometimes I say to people, why don't you read one story every night before you go to bed? Mm -hmm. You know, and that will take you more than three months. You know, you'll read 100 stories over three months and it will really change your perspective because if you go too fast, which some people do, some people stay up till three in the morning and just read, they devour the book. But mm-hmm. there's a lot to absorb. So if you read a story and then you think about it a little bit, it's even more effective. Although I know the people who went through and you know read them till three in the morning and <laughs> raced through them, then they go back and they start reading them again. Right. More slowly and more thoughtfully. Um, so I would say to a busy preteen or teenager, I would say read one story every night before you go to bed and think about Mm -hmm. it. And then some families will have a dinner table discussion where the whole family, including the parents, will read one story and discuss it each day. And that might sound, you know, I'll leave it to Beaver, like that couldn't possibly (laughs) happen. But it's amazing how often that actually works and how kids are willing to talk about some other
2: kid's
1: story. And not about their own experience, because maybe they don't want their mom to know they're having trouble with friends at school. But they could talk right, about right. this other kid who had trouble with friends at school who's in, who's in the story.
0: I agree with that. I believe both books, especially the preteen, because that's the sort of a layup to adulthood, right? The topics that are covered in it makes wonderful kitchen table conversations.
1: That's right. And we are all about sitting around the table talking, right? In my mom's yeah, kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> and it's very subtle though. You're right because nobody wants to talk about me. I, no one wants to have the spotlight on them. But it's always easier somehow. Even adults. Let's let's put it frankly. It's easy to talk about somebody else.
1: <laughs> Definitely.
0: <laughs> what I like about chapter two in the preteen, you have the friendship section, and one of the stories that I really like is the code word by Julia Sontag.
1: Yeah, so I'm glad you brought up this story because this is a really good example of the kind of story that you could talk about sitting around the dinner table where a kid doesn't necessarily have to say, hey, I'm having trouble at school with a mean girl, but -hmm. you could talk about the story and still get the advice and wisdom into your kid to help your kid with this problem. Um, Interestingly... Julia Sontag is the daughter of one of our prolific contributors, Diane Stark, who's had dozens of stories published in our books,
2: and Mm -hmm. it was so
1: fun for us to see that the next generation was now becoming part of the Chicken Soup for the Soul family. So Julia's story is about how she was talking to some friends while standing in line in the cafeteria at her middle school, and she was telling them a story, and then her friend Elizabeth interrupted and started calling her Coco. And everybody was laughing about this. And Julia thought, well, I don't know why she's calling me Coco, but everybody's laughing. And this girl is really cool. Elizabeth is a cool girl. She's a popular girl. So I'm just going to assume that I don't really know what's going on, but I'm just going to laugh along with them and assume that this is cool. And so she just kind of went along with it and laughed along with it. And then the next day, Julia was trying to tell the same story again, the one that Elizabeth had interrupted the day before. And this girl, Elizabeth, interrupted her again and called her Coco again. So everybody was still thinking it was funny. So then Julia thought, okay, I mean, I'm just not cool, but I'm, I'm so lucky to be with these cool girls. I'll just use this word Coco. So mm-hmm. some other girl said something, and Julia interrupted her and said, Coco the other girls were laughing but it was, felt a little different and then one mm-hmm. day at the locker this girl who Julia knew said to her you don't understand what's going on with this coco thing this mean girl elizabeth had decided that Julia was boring and that she should, she would just interrupt her her boring stories
2: mm-hmm. and
1: she had told some of the other mean girls every time Julia starts talking i'm just going to say coco and that's going to be my code that we all know that she's just being annoying and boring. I mean, this is the worst mean girl, you know, but so typical (laughs) of middle school. And so that's when Julia understood that she had to go and find a new table to sit at for lunch. I mean, isn't that sad? I mean, you could just think Mm -hmm. back to sixth grade, seventh grade, having to go through that awful experience. So what bravery, what courage. She had to go find a new table, so she just approached a table where there were three girls sitting who she kind of knew, and she asked if she could join them. And luckily they said yes, and they were welcoming. And then when she sat down, one of these girls said, you know Elizabeth is a jerk, right? And basically they told her (laughs) that this mean girl, Elizabeth, did this stuff to a lot of people because they knew about the whole Coco thing. And they said she's Mm -hmm. just a bully. Well, then what happened was once Julia sat down at this new table with these nice girls, Another girl immediately came over from the mean girl table and said, I don't want to sit there anymore. And before she knew it, the table she had moved to became this wonderful, warm table where nice girls were sitting and chatting with each other. And and various people were refugees now from the mean girl table and joining them at this new table. And really, I think the new table became the true popular table. You know, as mm-hmm. an adult, you could go to, like, a writing conference Mm-hmm. A business convention, mm-hmm. a new volunteer opportunity at church, wherever, where you walk in some place and you don't know anybody and you have to get up the courage to go and, you know, sit at a table and chat with the people who are there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's scary, right, especially if everybody right. else seems to know each other. And so even a parent, you know, going over this story with a child sitting at the dinner table together the parent really might find that the next time she goes into a similar situation, she's going to have a lot more courage and she's going to think, well, that 12-year-old girl, Julia, did it. I can do it.
0: <laughs> That's wonderful. What it reminds me about, maybe this is a little bit of a stretch. Obviously, this is intentional, but as adults, and I'm sure, Amy, you've been to situations where people don't know you and you don't know them, but even in adult situations, we all tend to be cliquish, right? And I don't think oh, it's and like And it's so a, it's easy.
1: It's so easy to do that, though. I went to a party on the weekend, mm-hmm. and um, I sat with people I knew, and we basically sat together the whole party.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I thought, oh, this is so easy. <laughs> but there could be somebody here who, you know, doesn't have any place to sit, and maybe we should add them in to our table, right. you know? Right. But then one of of the people sitting at our table is going through some really big health challenges, and we really Mm -hmm. needed to focus on that person. So then I thought, okay, this might look cliquish, but (laughs) we really need to focus on this one friend who needs us all. And so I decided to give myself a special exception this time that we could kind of remain in a clique because we had to help this one friend.
0: Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, situations would dictate those kind of circumstances, but... You know what I'm talking about. I mean, you could oh, totally. walk in a situation and then like, especially for us, where we are interacting with other people and it's like, okay.
1: Oh, it's awful. It, it's
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, I've had experiences where here I am, you know, an author with tons of bestsellers, all this mm-hmm. seeming success. And if I go to some business and event where i don't know anybody it still doesn't mm-hmm. feel very good right you have to right, go and just yeah. put yourself out there and yeah. hope that people will talk to you i mean i think no matter how successful we are we have that lack of self-confidence when it comes mm-hmm. to invading the territory right <laughs> at a place where we don't know people we're not necessarily welcomed or
2: right at least people right.
1: are, are people are busy talking to people they know it's, It's uncomfortable. So, yeah, we all have to think, if Julia could do this when she was 12, then we can do this in middle age.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So true. That brings me to another story in that chapter, and I love this. Like I say again, the the chapter of friendship is just wonderful. To me, it's timeless. The story is Just Trying to Fit In by Frances Amelia Spadoni.
1: Yeah, so it was interesting because Julia and her story – She showed us how she realized what true friends are supposed to be like and how Mm -hmm. she shouldn't compromise her natural inclination to be nice, to fit in with a group of popular girls who are really bullies. And this girl, Frances Amelia Spadoni, she had the same kind of experience when she started middle school because she immediately noticed how many cliques there were in school. (laughs) And if you didn't belong to one, then you just kind of sat by yourself Mm-hmm. And she noticed that some of the cliques were really mean. Well, she had this neighbor, though, a girl she knew, and her neighbor basically was trying to help her. Her neighbor was popular, and she asked Frances Amelia to sit at her table. And so at least that gave Frances Amelia some place to be because she was new to this middle school. But she says in her story, um, I'm going to quote from her story. She says, a part of me didn't want to be popular but the other half couldn't help it. So I sat with my neighbor. I made so many friends that I felt accepted, but it turned out that Frances Amelia had left her best friend behind Mm -hmm. because she and her best friend could have sat together, just the two of them, not knowing anybody else, but she had abandoned her best friend by sitting with this popular group. But then it turned out she could, she could invite her best friend to sit with them. So she did. And then it totally backfired Her best friend changed and she started to dress differently and act differently and she talked differently and she became very popular, but popular meaning mean, you know, and and kind of exclusionary. And then everything went wrong because Frances Amelia didn't want to sit with the mean girls anymore, the popular girls, but then the non-popular girls didn't want to sit with her. And so she would just skip lunch so she wouldn't have to sit alone which was awful because she was being shunned by the nice girls because she had been part of the mean, popular group. So she just couldn't take it. And she actually did something that not all middle schoolers will do. She went and talked to her mom about it, and she told her what had happened. Hmm. And I think at least half of middle school girls wouldn't tell their mom this was going on. Right. And this is a good lesson for kids because Frances Amelia told her mom, And her mom gave her some really good advice, and she actually listened to her mom's advice. And her mom said, you just have to be you, just be you. And I promise you, if you are just you, you will actually find your true friends and you will be happy. And so it actually took a couple of years. But now Frances Amelia is in high school, and she really is being herself she finally made real friends, true friends in eighth grade, and now she's carried those friends with her into high school, and now she's all set because now for the rest <laughs> of, you know, high school, she's got real friends who are friends with her because of the real her, right? Right. And
2: right. they
1: are them real, their they're real selves, so nobody's being artificial, and she's actually doing the opposite of what her, you know, so-called popular neighbor told her to do because her neighbor had all these rules for her about what to wear, what to say, how to act. Now that Frances Amelia is just being herself, she's so much happier and her friends are actually going to stay her friends forever. Mm -hmm. And she knows that she knows these are the friends she's going to keep. And I thought, what a great lesson for kids to read that girl's Mm -hmm. story, because that is hugely helpful
2: to a preteen
1: girl or a preteen boy. And yet, um, you know, you might not, except that is much from, you know, your mom. Although in Frances Amelia's case, the other thing she did (laughs) as a great role model for kids was she actually did talk to her mom and followed her mom's advice, and her mom's advice
0: really worked. Right. That's wonderful. Do you have some favorite stories in the preteen edition? Um,
1: Yeah, there's another one. that I really liked a lot because it reminded me of what happened to my son Mm
2: -hmm. when
1: he was in fifth grade. Because we really consider that this preteen book is for kids who are in fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, even even fourth grade. Mm -hmm. So I remember my son, when he was in fifth grade, he liked a certain girl. Um, Now, my son was always short. But mm-hmm. even though he was short, his voice changed before any other boy's voice changed. So in fifth grade, <laughs> his voice was already changing, you know, and becoming much deeper. You yeah. know how when boys' voice changes, they, they their voices crack and
2: it's right. very
1: embarrassing. And so I remember my son saying that he could talk to this girl at the locker because their lockers were near each other.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But he was afraid that if he said anything to her, his voice would crack. And he said to me, just knowing that my voice might crack makes it crack. And so he was practicing saying things at home.
2: And he, <laughs> he was talking to me
1: and he was practicing just really short phrases like, hi, you know, I <laughs> could say hi without his voice cracking. And so the poor kid was just practicing and practicing saying, I have to find a word that I can say where my voice, might cr- my, where my voice won't crack. And, mm-hmm. you know, none of the other boys were having that problem yet because You know, kids mature at different ages, but different parts mature. So, like, he was the short boy, Mm -hmm. but but had the deepest voice.
2: So Mm -hmm. there
1: was a story it got such a kick out of um, in the preteen book. And it's in the chapter about changes because, Mm -hmm. you know, this is the age when it's so embarrassing to go through puberty and have these changes. And so this is this boy, um, and it happened for him in sixth grade, which is more normal great for it to happen in. But this boy, Donald Brown, um, he was really afraid of his voice cracking. And he would practice and practice and practice saying things without his voice cracking. And then one day, he had a substitute teacher and he thought, oh no, because when I have my regular teacher, they don't take roll call. You know, the regular teacher would just look around and know (laughs) who to mark absent. But with the substitute teacher, he knew his voice was going to crack. And so... The substitute teacher, you know, was asking people to say present or here or whatever. Right. He said that he his voice crack was like the worst voice crack in the history of voice cracks. Basically, <laughs> His worst nightmare came true. <laughs> and so the whole class looked at him and everybody thought it was hysterical and then for the rest of that day, everybody was teasing him about the voice crack, and there was this girl he liked, and he was mortified because he was so afraid that this girl, you know, would never even talk to mm-hmm. him because of his, you know, voice crack—the worst <laughs> voice crack in the universe. But then it turned out she talked to him and she liked him, and it didn't matter about his voice cracking. And then, and that was a big lesson for him. Like he was—he had been so nervous about his voice cracking, and the girl didn't care at all. She was fine with it. So anyway, that yeah, I just I love that story because it reminded me <laughs> of my son going through the same experience.
0: <laughs> That's wonderful. You're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, Mixcloud, PodChaser, Listen Notes, and Hop Hopper. Here's a quick reminder to check our August edition of our heart-centered and passion-driven Inspirations for Better Living digital magazine at www.inspirationsforbetterliving.com. My guest for this morning is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. She is also our featured expert for the Nana's Wisdom section in our August Inspirations for Better Living digital magazine. Please go to www.inspirationsforbetterliving.com to read her inspiring and empowering story. Amy and I are having a conversation about their two latest releases celebrating the 21st anniversary edition of Chicken Soup for the Preteen Soul and the 25th anniversary edition of Chicken Soup for the Teenage Soul. I'm your host, Johnny Tan. Amy, let's talk about the teenage book now. Chapter two, and I like to go with this friendship concept because to me, again, it's one of those things where forever. You learn at a young age, and it really helps you to navigate your life for the rest of your life, basically. And this wonderful story is The Girl Who Never Talked by Kayleen Kitty Holder.
1: Well, that's a good one to bring up right after we've talked about the boy who didn't talk because <laughs> of the voice crack. So in the case of Kayleen, she didn't talk because she just thought she was awful at striking up conversations with people and She just didn't really know how to do that quick back-and-forth conversation and be charming and funny and interesting. And so she always stayed quiet. And she told a story that I thought was so interesting because it was an example of how you can redefine yourself and also Mm -hmm. how you can kind of fake it till you make it. And it's not the first time I've seen a story about a girl who was shy and then just said, okay, what would I do if I were not shy? How would I act? And then just set out to act that way. And by just saying, I'm going to pretend I'm not shy and I'm going to engage in conversation with people, all of a sudden realize, hey, that worked and that would cure the shyness. And so this is what happened with Kayleen because she was shy and she never felt like she fit in. But she had this one close friend who was actually really good at making friends and had lots of friends. Now when when Kayleen would hang out with this girl, they would just hang out together at one of their houses. But then one time when they were supposed to just hang out together, um this girl said, "Hey, I'm going out with some friends. Do you want to come along?" And so a whole bunch of girls piled into a suburban and the mom drove them, and Kayleen was really nervous, but then she did something new. She came out of her shell and she took part in the conversation. And she just decided, okay, I'm going to pretend I'm not shy. I'm going to fake it. And, well, she did fake it until she made it because here's what she says. She says, that was a night that would change my life. All the way there, they were driving in the Suburban, and all the way back, we talked and laughed. And she said that she told jokes, and she was so glad that she did. And she said, by the end of the night, one of the girls turned around And yelled enthusiastically, laughing at something. I said, I don't think I've ever really heard you talk before. You are hilarious. You are so fun to be around. (laughs) But here you had this shy girl who never talked, breaks out in one night, and these other girls are saying, you're awesome. We love talking to you. You should just hang out with us again. So Kayleen says that she would have cried if she hadn't been so busy smiling. I mean, this was a huge relief. In one night, just by pretending not to be shy and letting her true self show, she discovered how much fun she was. These other girls loved spending time with her. And then from then on, Kayleen was always part of this fun group of girls. So just by intentionally changing her behavior and acting like she wasn't a shy girl, she became the outgoing girl that she wanted to be. She went from being a lonely high school freshman to a busy girl, very social, with four best
0: friends. That's beautiful. Really wonderful. The next story that I really like, it really connects with me very much, is in Chapter 7, and the title of the chapter itself, Making a Difference, Miss Minnie and Me by Malaysia Bar.
1: Oh, yeah. That was a really great story also. So, you know, I was saying that we added the Making a Difference chapter.
2: hmm to the
1: Teenage Soul book because we really think that's the age when kids, kids start doing community service or whatever. And sometimes they're just doing it because they want something for their resume, for getting into mm-hmm. college. But it really is the age when they can start, because they're a little more independent, they can start doing volunteer activities or you know being part of the village that helps other people. So mm-hmm. in the case of, um, of Malaysia, um, she... Knew about that whole concept of it takes a village, you know. And she says that, you know, as she has gotten older, her own village has grown, you know, with teachers mm. and pastors and family members. But she says no one has touched her life in the way that this woman named Miss Minnie has. So, Miss Minnie is this woman who goes to her church and isn't, an, but she's an older lady. And so, Malaysia would always see Miss Minnie in church but she would never really talk to her and then that all changed when Malaysia's mom said to her go and talk to Miss Minnie so she started saying hello to her and then they started chatting over time and then all of a sudden she started visiting Miss Minnie in her home and so now she goes and she, vis- she visits this elderly woman Miss Minnie every sa- sunday afternoon and Miss Minnie is so full of wisdom. It's like having an honorary grandmother, mm-hmm. you know, somebody who's not judgmental, who'll just give her great, uh, you know, advice for her life. And so she said that she started going to see Miss Minnie, thinking, "Well, I'm going to be part of the village that helps Miss Minnie." But but now she's realized that actually Miss Minnie is in the village that's helping her. So I thought that was a great example of intergenerational relationships, respect for the wisdom of your elders, uh, a great lesson in reaching out to somebody you don't even know and discovering mm-hmm. that you can actually have a really wonderful, productive, you know, enriching relationship with that person.
0: Yes, so true. And I relate to that because of during my times of like wanting all the wise answers, right? You have all this question: why this, why that, why, so forth. And I've been very fortunate to have run into eight other wonderful women at different times in my life that were basically sharing their wisdom with me because my mom was back in, ironically, in Malaysia that I cannot really connect with on a one-to-one basis, you know, in person.
1: Yeah, I know. I think that you had a, yeah, I mean, the fact that you had all of those honorary mothers They gave you so much wisdom. And, yeah, what a great, enriching way for you to finish your growing up years with all of those honorary (laughs) mothers.
0: So true. Do you have any stories that you really like, your favorite stories, for the teenage edition?
1: Well, there's one that I really like called Rapid Lessons. It's from Mm -hmm. Kamala Reese. First of all, I love her name because, um, you know, her name is the same as our vice president, Kamala. But also, it's funny, and... Kamala wrote a story that was in our book called I'm Speaking Now and about how somebody was teasing her for her name and saying it was such a weird name. And now, of course, (laughs) the name of our vice president. So I thought that was cool. But Kamala, now this is this is a good story because it's from um, a teenage girl who's a little farther along in her teenage years. So she related a story that happened when she was 18. And this happened the summer before she went off to college and Kamala wasn't an adventurous person, but she was offered this free adventure trip for the, during the summer before college. And if she went on this free adventure, she would get a physical edu- education credit, and that would save her from a whole semester of physical education at her college. Not all colleges have physical education requirements, but hers did. So she says that she also was going to save $900 on tuition. So she says, As a black first-generation college student working to put myself through school, the potential for time, money, and energy savings was a trifecta. So she kind of skimmed over the actual details of this adventure trip, but she signed up for it. But it turned out it involved, like, camping and swimming and all this stuff. (laughs) She said that her parents and her high school friends all basically said, black people don't do that. But she thought, no, I'm going to do it. And she thought, even if it's a week of near-death experiences, it's worth it because I'm going to get out of that semester of P.E. and get out of the tuition.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: anyway, when she started out on the trip, there were only about four kids who were people of color out of 100 attendees. But she did it. Now, unfortunately, the very first day of the trip, they were doing whitewater rafting. And they were doing um, level three, four, and five rapids.
2: So mm-hmm. those are
1: hard. <laughs> so they you know they they all had to first of all get life jackets. Well, Kamala was really petite. So she was too small for even the smallest adult life jacket and so she had to wear a child-size life jacket which didn't really fit her right either. Anyway, the leader told them all the rules about like don't don't tuck your feet into the raft and curl into a ball if you do pop out of the raft. So they hit their very first level 3 rapid. And Kamala immediately disgraces herself by popping out of the raft into the water and then goes under the raft. So she could hear she could hear her fellow rafters calling her name and searching for her, but she was under the raft. And so she had to start, like, pounding the bottom of the raft and trying to hit the people in the raft, like get hit their mm-hmm. feet or something through the rubber raft. Finally, they realized she was underneath, and they got her out. And then later, they hit a Class 5 rapid, and the whole raft overturned, and all of them were in the water. And then the adventures continued for the rest of the week. They had this really hard, like seemingly all-uphill bike ride in the pouring Mm -hmm. rain, and they had to go caving, and Kamala got badly sunburned. And When her mother came to pick her up at the end of the week, her mother said she smelled like a goat. (laughs) But anyway... (laughs) the reason she called her story rapid lessons is because that's what happened in this one week trip. She rapidly Mm -hmm. learned lessons about what she was capable of trying and achieving. And she said that now, anytime that she's forced into doing something that seems to be hard, she'll remember how she went whitewater rafting and how, if she could do that, she can do anything. And so I thought that was a really great Mm -hmm. story. And I put a quote at the beginning of it from Stacey Abrams, and the quote says, not everyone's ambitions will be world domination or Carnegie Hall, but we should be driven beyond what we know and feel safe doing. So anyway, I thought that was a great story. I'm glad you asked me. um, Oh, it's it's wonderful. I wanted wanted an opportunity to tell that story.
0: (laughs) It's wonderful. By the way, that is from Chapter 8, Going For It. And again, this is one of those things where I'm telling you, this book is fantastic because first and foremost, it reminds you going backward. <laughs> and not only that, it's some of the things that maybe you don't want to kind of share your own personal experiences. Parents, are you hearing this? <laughs>
2: That's you don't right. have to
0: share your own experiences. And I'll let you take over, Amy. Remind why the parents should buy this books. For the children.
1: (laughs) Because your child feels very alone and feels like he or she is the only child of that age feeling those emotions. And when they read these stories, this is the number one thing we get in the fan mail about these books.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: I don't feel alone anymore. And that's so important to give them the feeling that other kids are going through the same thing. Mm -hmm. And it's a great way to share the advice and wisdom that you want to give your kids yourself, but maybe they don't want to hear it from you, but they do want to hear it in a story from another kid their age. It has so much more credibility for them as a result. You know, that it's that peer to peer thing that really makes a right. difference. So right. this is going to be a great gift for back to school or mm-hmm. later, you know, later in the fall this is going to be a great gift for Hanukkah or Christmas.
0: Right, right. So true. Just give us a sneak preview of what's coming up in the fall, for the chicken well, soup world.
1: <laughs> yeah, speaking of Christmas, you know, fall is our big season. And mm-hmm. so we're starting off September really strong with um, a, our next pair of books about dogs and cats. You know, we always support American Humane with the royalties from these books. And so mm-hmm. we're coming out in September with my hilarious, heroic human dog. And my clever, curious, caring cat. And then after those, we've got we've got th- two books coming out in October. So one of them is a re-release, mm-hmm. a little different from these though, where we put new stories into preteen and teenage. So we're re-releasing our devotional stories for women book, but it's identical to the paperback version. We're just releasing mm. it in a beautiful hardcover gift edition. You know, we're um, yeah, yeah. The book is printed in color, and it's a hardcover, and it's just gorgeous. So that's coming out. And then also in October, we have our annual Christmas book coming out, and this one is called The Blessings of Christmas, because I thought that with COVID and all the other difficult things that have happened over the past year, it was time to look at the blessings of the holiday season. And then finally, November 2nd, We're coming out with a book called Tough Times Won't Last, But Tough People Will. And that seems very relevant right now because everybody's Mm -hmm. going through Mm -hmm. something right now.
0: Right, right, right. That's wonderful. And by the way, I just want to remind everybody, too, all of chicken soup books are probably made here in the United States. They are.
1: Our books are 100% made in the USA. That is true. And, I mean, besides the fact that means that you're buying American, which is very important, It also means that our books are way more up to date. Like our books are filled with stories about people dealing with the pandemic because because when you manufacture in the U.S., you can manufacture much closer to your on-sale date. You don't have to wait for books to come across, you know, in a ship from Mm -hmm. China or wherever they're printed. And so our books are much more timely as a result.
0: Right, right. So true. Well, what wonderful recipes for living would you like to share with our listeners this morning?
1: Um, I think that there's some really good lessons that came out of these teenage and preteen books, and I think one of them would be that you should have respect for Mm -hmm. other people's ideas, because I think that a lot of the stories in these books make that point. Of course, that's something that the parents and grandparents would really like you know, the younger generation Mm -hmm. to understand that you should respect advice and wisdom and opinions that you get (laughs) from people who are older than you. Um, Another thing that I think is a really good recipe for life, and we see it in so many of our stories for kids and adults, is this whole concept of fake it till you make it, that you really can just try to become the person you want to be or You want, or pretend that you have that character trait that you don't think you have, but just pretend that you have it. And before you know it, you'll actually find that you have redefined yourself and you are that person, and you have faked it until you made it. Mm
2: -hmm. And then
1: another thing, and this is prevalent not only in the teenage books and the preteen books, but in all of our books, is this whole concept about trying new things to energize your life and show you how much you're capable of.
0: Beautiful. Beautiful. That's really fantastic. Amy, thank you for the great recipes for living and for spending this hour with me. I'm from My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me in two weeks, Tuesday morning, August 31st. My guest will be Carmel Nyland. Carmel is the former CEO and leader of various government agencies on gender, racial equality, human rights, and child protection in New South Wales, Australia. She's also the author of the critically acclaimed book, A Darker Magic, This Way Comes. Carmel will be joining us from Sydney, Australia, and we will be having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey and her latest book, Our Spiritual DNA, 12 Ascended Masters and the Evidence of Our Divine Ancestry. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to FromMyMama'sKitchenTalkRadio.com. Thank you for listening and have a very blessed week. As usual, Amy, it's been a true pleasure. Thank you again and have a very blessed day.
1: Thanks a lot for having me on, Johnny. Bye.
0: Bye Bye-bye.